And Hello. we are back. Welcome back, everybody. Back. Timers How many be these? damn. <laughs> Timers are only getting in the way tonight, right? Hello and welcome to Geeks Camp, the home of RPG jargon and general tomfoolery. Today, we're coming to you with another creator interview. Uh, I'm your host, Zach, along with my co-host, John and Troy. Hello, everybody. Hi-ho. And we've got our special guest uh, for the evening, Douglas Cole. Uh, Doug, uh, you and I uh, were invited uh, a couple of times now to pop on over to Jeff's show and do RPG rambling, just chatting Kickstarters. And uh, I really enjoyed those and uh, got to chat with you some about your projects. Uh, and I'm just fascinating. Anytime I can talk with a creator, right? Uh, it's, it's, I always learn something, but it's just a, it's, it's equally fascinating when, when you got someone like you who's really devoted their, their, their day to day to it at this point kind of made it their thing. So thanks for coming aboard. Oh, absolutely. Uh, thanks for having me on and looking forward to chatting about stuff. I'm oh, going to be flexible. You. I'm ready. I'm ready <laughs> to talk. Awesome. Awesome. All right. So let's start off with, let's start off with some easy questions. Tell our listeners, if you don't mind, who is Doug Cole and uh, what might they know you from? Um, so I'm going to answer the second part first, if we want to go back to quiz show. Perfect. Um, the, uh, people might know me, uh, I had a blog, I've had a blog, I've been blogging, um, since about 2012, um, and, uh, I have been a, uh, contributor and a commentator to various spaces for a while, uh, people might have first got to know me on rec.games.rpg.gurps, uh, I was involved with stuff with vehicles and blah, blah, blah when I was in grad school. Uh, but since 2012, I've been a blogger, and then since 20, late 2016, uh, I started Gaming Ballistic to see if I could actually start uh, contributing on my own hook uh, to the RPG space. Um, I've been involved in my, lightly in some OSR work. Uh, I have a 5th edition product, uh, but mostly since really 2017... Uh, I've been hitting um, GURPS and TFT pretty hard. Hmm. Interesting. All right. I knew some of that. Um, Troy, you were you were equally fascinated uh, when we kind of knew Doug was hopping on, and you saw GURPS as kind of his system of choice to develop. Yeah. And what were your thoughts there? Well, in, in the current game space... Um... Why why did you decide to continue with GURPS and, and not one of the newer? Because I am woefully ignorant now of where GURPS stands in. No, it's a good question. And it, it was one of those things where, you know, Steve Jackson. So I've been writing with and for Steve Jackson games for a long time. Awesome. Uh, my first article in Pyramid Magazine was back in Pyramid Volume 2 in like 2002. Okay. Um, wow. Right. And, and so, and that was a, so in that space of a couple of years, 
uh, before the uh, advent of fourth edition in 2004, uh, I had started to dip my toe in the waters of writing. Um, I wrote a, like three little articles um, for them. Uh, but then I got more and more involved and I was a play tester and commentator and eventually, you know, I've got reasonable organization skills. And so I became a, a lead play tester uh, for high tech tactical shooting, uh, low tech instant armor. Uh, I was asked to do an edit on an old World War II product called Hand of Steel because it was over word count. And that was my first real experience in like, I, I think I managed to take one word out of three of that manuscript without losing wow. content. Wow. Right. So it was like, okay, here's a bunch of stuff. What does it really say? It says <laughs> you shoot him in the face. So we're just going to write that. Um, <laughs> and, and I, I helped out much later, Peter, Peter Del Orto uh, recently with his mega dungeons book. Um, same deal, right? It was well over word count. Uh, but it was really good. It was just a little unfocused. And so by, you know, leaning on what was Peter trying to say, we cut 25% of the words and made it a really, you know, tight volume kind of thing. So I started to do more and more of that. And eventually I wound up writing more for Pyramid. And I've published, I don't know, a few more than a dozen articles. And, and the thing about Steve Jackson Games is they're really picky about their writing, right? Okay. They're, they're, but they also give really great feedback. And so Sean and a few of the other editors are like, okay, blah, 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 blah. You know, here's this, here's this, and, and here's some things. And, and so it really helped me become a really much tighter uh, uh, writer of role-playing games. Because I think, you know, we talked about this before, but we'll say it again. Uh, role-playing game writing is kind of unique. Um, in that mm -hmm. a, a good role-playing book needs to be engaging, obviously. Um, it needs to be uh, evocative so that it generates the images in the mind. Um, but role-playing books have a very strong lean towards being a technical writing. Yes. They are source books. They are things that you need to be able to pull off and say, where is that? Oh, market week is in May. I knew that. I know that now. And it needs to be that fast. And so it needs to be well organized. It needs to be pithy. It needs to be direct. It can't contradict itself. Right. So, oh, right. Or it's not, you know, at least contradict yourself as little as possible. <laughs> um, so it has all of these requirements that, but, you know, like, like if you go read a, programming manual they're usually not terribly engaging right and right. if you go read prose they're usually not always very uh uh consultable Ugh, that's a terrible word i cringe <laughs> uh but they're not so they're not a re reference manual right right, right. uh you've right. got to start a book about star trek like uh my old favorites from um Diane Duane and, you know, uh, Dreadnought and, and uh, what was it, the other battle stations and Dreadnought and whatever. <laughs> um, and then there was uh, uh, the Star Trek technical manual. So yes. set in the same universe, but very different things. And, and to write both well is a skill. Uh, oh, and yeah. Steve Jackson Games is very good 
if you're willing to get told where you suck and where you are good, um, they're very good about developing writers as long as you're willing to do the work uh, and as you're willing to hear no for an answer. Um, right? So, oh, here's the manuscript. And I remember talking to Steve about a manuscript that I submitted to one of the editors at the time called Omen Tower, which was a military special ops thing. And the editor at the time kind of worked with me, whatever, but what he wound up doing was he sort of kicked it over to Steve and said, here it is. Let's do this. And Steve was like, this is terrible. This is terrible, right? And and so he kicked it back and said, you can't give the CEO a manuscript like this, right? This, this, is, this is your job to go fix this. And I, I hadn't heard anything. And so I went to Steve on a, one of these online chat things that were newfangled at the time. Um, and he's like, oh, oh, yeah, that. Uh-huh. I'm like, oh, that bad, huh? He goes, yeah, pretty much, yeah. Um, and and he's like, you know, there were some good ideas, but it it was not well written from a technical perspective, right? Uh, excessive use of random capitalization, right? Capital letters on all those. So, you know, there's lots of things that you just don't need to capitalize, and people, especially game writers, like to. Um, you know, but there are some things that you must capitalize because they are terms of art. And, and the rule is RTFM. To speak about capitalization, there are style guides that exist for companies that tell you what to do. And if you don't learn them, live them, know them, consult them constantly, you will get it wrong. And as an author, it is your job to get it right. As an editor, it is your job to make the author get it right um, and to help them down that path. Uh, and so I was like, all right, teach me. And he did. And, and we did. And and much later, uh, 13 articles later, some of which are some of the longest articles ever published in Pyramid, um, whether that's a good thing or a bad thing, probably a bad thing. Um, I sent in a proposal for a full book, uh, GURPS Martial Arts Technical Grappling, because that was sort of, I had this idea that grappling could be done well instead of always sucking. Um, and, <laughs> you know, uh, I, I, I wrote that and... It had some problems. It was published, but it, looking back in retrospect, uh, it had some issues. Um, and then I went and fixed those uh, since uh, and turned a 50-page book into an eight-page book <laughs> oh, wow. uh, that was none the worse for wear. Yeah, right. So, so now had I – so I took some things out of it. Anyway, the point is, is that Steve Jackson Games really helped me write. Okay. Uh, and so I've always felt good about writing in that space. I've been playing GURB since 1989. Oh, wow. <laughs> um, and, and pretty well continuously. I mean, I like 5th edition. Uh, I played OSR stuff. Uh, there are lots of games that I've played. There are some surprising games that I haven't, um, probably. Um, you know, I've never played a... a, a, a any of the Ma Magic the Gathering type games. I've never played mm -hmm. one of those. Yeah. Um, don't have any problems with them, but I've just never played them. Um, uh, so, so when I, so I, so I made my company. Let me actually get on focus here. I made my company. I started to write in fifth edition. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So I wrote this uh, book, uh, 
called Dragon Heresy because when 5th edition came out, I looked at it and I said, oh, this is really cool. I like it. And I do. Right? And I do. And it's probably a surprise for some GURPS people to hear someone say, oh, I like 5th edition. But I do like 5th edition. Uh, not only is it, I feel like it was a pretty good return back to kind of a, uh, not rules light, but, but low touch rules. By and large, sure. your guess at what a rule should be is probably correct. Uh, and, yeah. and worst case, and this is actually one of my favorite parts about that rule set, is just the advantage-disadvantage mechanic. Uh, because rather than have a whole bunch of penalties and, and stuff uh, that you have to go try and memorize, uh, worst comes to worst, um, you say you have advantage or you have disadvantage. Uh, and, and, you know, if you want to play with the math, you can do double advantage and double disadvantage, anything more than that, probably not. Um, but by and large, I thought that was kind of brilliant because let's face it, D and D dice rolls are pretty flat anyway. It's a flat D 20 system. Um, and anything more complicated than a little bit, tiny bit of adjustment of a target number and advantage disadvantage is just really getting in the way of things. Um, so there's there's so there's that anyway but i was looking at him like you know i think that given the building blocks of the fifth edition they could have done grappling better uh mm -hmm. and i was also starting to say you know i just feel a little weird and i don't have it here because it, i have been using it um uh, but i feel it felt a little weird that for what i've heard about the utility of shields mm -hmm. that when push comes to shove they were only good for a 10 percent swing in the odds plus two to armor class uh, and I was like, that doesn't feel right. And so I actually went and joined a HEMA group, that uh, historical oh, wow. European martial arts group, that teaches you how one way to, to use shields. And I do this Viking fighting thing. Uh, it's not re it's not reenactment. Uh, we try and use things that are a little more historical from weight and equipment and length and, and how it handles and stuff. Um, uh, that's not to take away anything from the reenactment groups. They're great athletes, and they would probably kick my ass. Um, but we try and do a different thing, right? Um, and so, uh, but my conclusion from that is, yeah, shields are a lot cooler. Oh yeah. Than than you'd think, and and you'd almost rather have a shield than a helmet, almost. Like if you had to choose between the two, what <laughs> are you going to grab? Okay, first you grab a spear because it's cheap. And the pointy end goes into the other man. Then you protect your brain. But if you've got a choice then, you put the spear down, grab a shield, and get an axe. Because again, axe is probably cheap. Although, there's a misnomer there because purpose-built weapon axes are not at all the same as I'm grabbing my dad's woodworking axe because it's the only thing I have. Mm -hmm. uh, and that's a digression. We can you go there or not as you like. Um, but in any case, I was like, uh, uh, I, I thought that with some of the things that I'd learned uh, about shields and weapon fighting, whatever, that there are some things that D&D 5th edition would support really, really well if you gave it a chance. Uh, and so I went with this. I, and But then they came out with the OGL. And I'm like, well, here, I have a couple ideas. But wow, if I do these ideas, then you're going to be looking things up constantly, mm. right? Because you're going to be consulting your monster manual or your player's handbook or whatever and saying, oh, well, with Doug's concepts, 
what does that mean? Flip, 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 flip. I'm like, all right, that sucks. You can't do that, right? That's not a way to play a game. Um, so I, I, but then the OGL came out, and I'm like, oh, well, now you don't have to look up stuff. It can all be right there in a self-contained mm. role-playing game. So I wrote Dragon Heresy. I wrote 400,000 words of Dragon Heresy. <laughs> um, and then I realized after some consultation with uh, some larger names in the industry uh, that my chances of successfully funding and publishing uh, what was basically 800 pages of written material uh, were less than zero. Um, so I cut down to cut, cut out two words in three, um, published the Dragon Heresy uh, introductory set, which is a 200, no, grab it right here, um, a 288-page hardback. There you go. Um, which is really spiffy, yeah. by the way. It's just it's, it's a well it's a well it's a well put together book. Um, I you know it was one of those things where at the time I had a really and this gets back to to the non answer I gave you to the first question. Uh, I was working as a manager in technology, uh, and so I had plenty of savings and not much to do with it. So I'm like, I'm gonna make this. I don't care what I spend on it. Uh, I'm gonna make this book as awesome as I can. Um, just cause I can, uh, and so I, 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 you know, I still have a thousand of them in a work warehouse somewhere and whatever. Um, but, uh, cause I, I fell for the, uh, marginal cost trick. Well, you know, it's $10,000 for this, but that next 500 books is only a thousand dollars. I should do that. No, no, you shouldn't. No, you shouldn't. Not at three pounds a book. That's literally a ton of books that are going to sit around, um, which they are. Um, anyway, so long story less long on that one is sometime after that, around Gen Con 50, uh, Steve Jackson Games came out with the Dungeon Fantasy role-playing game. Box set, really cool, uh, which it's over there. Um, kind of a... GURPS as a system is... Please forgive me. I'm a little frazzled. Uh, my daughter at, uh, was just tested positive for COVID. So um. we had to re... It's, it's no big deal. She's got a cough. And she's seven. So she's fine. But we got to keep her home for a while. And so I'm sure. home anyway. So whatever. But, you know, my wife had to change. and we Anyway, so it, it's, things have been a little frazzled. Um, yeah. But, uh, you know, and she's vaccinated, right? We're all vaccinated. Mm -hmm. So, you know, we're expecting it to be light and fluffy like vaccinated things should. Sure. Um, but in any case, it's been a bit of a weird couple of days. So I'm a little bit helter-skelter. And I apologize to your listening audience for that. Uh, I'm also at full Zone 5 Northeast chatter-chatter um, as opposed to my more laid-back Texan <laughs> or Minnesota personality. <laughs> anyway, slowing down and taking a deep breath. Um, I had a couple publishing experiences as a writer. I had a couple publishing experiences as an author and self-publisher. And then I went to Steve Jackson Games and I said, hey, I love this box set, right? It's everything that you need to do dungeon crawl in a box with all the stuff you don't need eliminated for you and tweaked by the line editor. GURPS has always been, always been a toolkit to make a game. Not a game. Right. Right. The right. line editor says this. This is not like me being controversial. I am quoting Sean Punch. Right. This is, GURPS is a toolkit to make your campaign. 
most people get into it and they say, oh, this is a game. And they say, oh, make a character. And you, you get all kinds of crazy stuff going on. Yeah. Dungeon Fantasy role-playing game is an approach. It's not the only approach, but it's an approach to beer and pretzels. I want to do this. Yes, you can. Right? I want to hit him 12 times. Okay, sure. Roll some dice. Right? So it's a very yes, you can kind of experience as opposed to, well, you know, you're really only 125 points. And so if you want to stab the guy, you're going to need seven ready maneuvers and then of this and then of that. But you can only do it with this maneuver. So it tries to get away from the the uh, uh, the nitty gritty of my camera has gone out of focus due to my weirdness. Um, but uh, so, so, so it's, it's, it's it's punishing me for all that. Uh, um, there we go. I'm back now. I'm back. I'm less fuzzy. Um, it's basically my camera just looked and said, "All right, when you start making sense and having a point, I will come back to autofocus. Until then, you just keep going." Um, in any case, I went to Steve Jackson Games and said, "I love this box set thing. Uh, you know, I paid." a lot of money to back it to go to Gen Con and play in a campaign with Sean, uh, which is the first time we ever met. We'd corresponded for a long time. Um, and, uh, and I said, hey, I've got this game scenario that I just ran in 5th edition. I'd love to convert it to Dungeon hmm. Fantasy role-playing game. Okay. And they said, well, um, maybe. Uh, and then they let me wait for a while because they wanted to see how it did, and it did okay. And then, so, I, so I, then I took it and I published Hall of Judgment, which was my first GURPS campaign, and it did quite well. Uh, about 525 backers, and um, that was good, and it made money, uh, especially since I had already published Lost Hall of Tear, which was the fifth edition version of that. So I had the art and stuff, but I doubled it in size. Hmm. Uh, it was a 64 page book, it became a 128 page book. Uh, I addressed some criticisms that people had of it. Um, it was originally a convention adventure, and convention adventures don't make great campaign adventures because mm. they have a different purpose. Um, there are things you can get away with in a convention scenario that get you smacked around in a campaign, deservedly. Um, and so uh, eventually they came back and said, yes, let's do this. And people liked it and then i said i'd like to do another one and they said okay sure and that was very actually up until very recently i had never had a GURPS campaign as successful as the citadel at nordvorn 600 and some odd backers um and and uh and that went quite well uh and you're not supposed to have favorite children but i really like citadel at nordvorn uh, it, it's a great little sandbox from which you can do a lot and it was my first experience in doing a setting book where it was all based on a relationship map. So every time the PCs interacted with somebody, you saw who was like, yay, this person's helping my ally. Boo, this person's helping my enemy. Eh, I don't care. And, and so things could happen and develop from that. And you could wing it really mm -hmm. easily because of that. And so that was really cool. Uh, and yeah. then... I went to GameholeCon and sat down with Steve and I said, hey, you know, what could I do that I'm not doing? And he's like, well, write for Fantasy Trip. I'm like, huh. I've never played Fantasy Trip until this morning. I don't want to try and write something that I've never done. So let me think on that. Let me give it due consideration. 
uh, and I reached out to to some of my uh, collaborators, and I said, I've never written for TFT, but you have. Uh, and that led to collaborations with David Pulver and Christopher Rice and J. Edward Tremlett and, and 10 books from those guys, actually more than that now, uh, from, from those guys. Um, and so that got me into TFT space and I'm just me, right? I mean, I contract with my artists and occasionally I'm like, oh my God, my brain is melting. Let me give this to a professional editor, um, or whatever, but I'm me, I do most of it myself. And so in terms of getting back to fifth edition or D and D or OSR, I haven't done a lot of that because hmm. it's just been one thing after another, one project after another. Um, and I've really only been doing this full time. Uh, for four-ish years now, but the first year and a half, we're really involved with um, OSR 5th edition type stuff, uh, which, you know, jumping into that space as a newbie is hard. It's big. And there are, you know, besides the big gorilla, you know, there's a lot of players in there who are are quite well established and... and um, producing quality works and why should anybody care about what I'm doing? And so, uh, however I was, I am the only third party licensed publisher for both the dungeon fantasy role-playing game and the fantasy trip. So that is not a terrible place to be. Now they're much smaller markets. Um, but you know, being in a big market, where everyone's like, yeah, I think I'll just buy from Wizards of the Coast, doesn't help me much. Um, Very good point. So, so establishing a reputation for quality and having my own setting and stuff like that uh, that I could play with, um, I think has been helpful. In 2022, I, I intend to uh, re-enter uh, since I have so much work on my original setting, which which is this, right? I mean, this is the Dragon Heresy... Come on, focus. There we go. Come back. Um, I've never had a focus problem like this before. This is strange. Um, but uh, maybe it's because I'm 50. You know, these things happen. That's probably the... Yeah, you know. I, I focus, you know. Yeah. Um, but uh, the, the, the original setting that came out of the Dragon Heresy book, this Norse-inspired, but not really... I mean, it's very Norse-inspired, but I feel free to deviate from the mythology wherever I need to. Um, you know, I, 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 I've got a lot there and I think that it would be fertile ground for fifth edition gaming. Uh, and now that I'm better at it, uh, I think that I can dip those oars back in the water. Hmm. Cool. Well, so, so let's, let's, uh, let's, let's, let's grab it and, 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 and go to the next phase of your, your projects here. So, I'm going to talk for just a moment about uh, this bestiary that you just funded um, uh, with 685 backers. And uh, Doug, I'm going to be I'm going to be honest with you. Uh, we let's see when did we talk about this, fellas? You remember back in December, or was it November yeah. when we were first looking at it? I thought it was November, maybe. Yeah, that was about right. Yeah, and I said <clears throat> I said uh, we were talking about it on the podcast. I said this is a really cool book. Um, but for GURPS, I just, I was like, I, I had, I never played GURPS. I'm like, uh, you know, the stud guy, yeah. he must know what he's doing. Cause he's done a lot of these, but I'm so surprised to see a, a, a big project like this. And then lo and behold, it does really well. You got 685 
backers from it. Uh, $52,000 pledged uh, on the Kickstarter. Really great layout. You, you show some previews of it um, on the page there. Uh, and then you've, you've shared some more since then. Um, I really just... had to email you. I just finished putting all 192 monsters into layout. There's still a lot of work to be done in the next week. Um, but it's, it's nice. a lot farther along than it was. That's awesome. Yeah, it, it really is. A, it's a, it's a good layout. You got yeah. really great artwork that's in there. So it, you, you t- tapped into the things that a lot of people need in order to, to be attracted and be uh, evoked by a, by a Kickstarter, right? So they got a lot of a really good attention. Uh, if nothing else, that just the presentation looks fantastic. And I've I've read through quite a few of the the monsters that you've got in here as an example. It's, it's well written. Um, I'm a neophyte still when it comes to GURPS. Uh, I played a little bit while I was in high school, a little bit more while I was in college, and while I was in this in the service. And uh, it was like very handheld. It's like somebody just it was kind of what you, what you were getting at. It was like, um, like, uh, don't worry about it. I'll, I'll tell, I'll, I'll tell you what to, I'll tell you what to roll. Kind of stuff like, what right, 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 right. Sure, what you do, right. So I, I never really understood. I never got a lot of the, the, uh, the, the nitty gritty of the, the, the mechanics of the, of the game. But uh, this is like this is throwback now. Going back and, and looking at it and, and reading through some of the, the stat blocks and stuff like that are they're a little bit different from what I remember. But there's some still that familiarity that's there about how it kind of like intentionally nebulous some of this stuff is to like give you lots and lots of freedom to do what you really want to with the monsters and with the, with the mechanics. So I, it, I, I like it. I like it a lot. One of the things that I like, and I sent you a message about this, Doug, when I was looking through it again uh, the other day, but um, a, a feature that I think is tremendous for a bestiary uh, is the humanoid silhouettes next to the monsters. Mm-hmm. Um, yes. it's so good. It's so useful. It, it, it communicates something to like, we'll, we'll use this. Uh, I'm going to butcher yeah, the sure, name, please. but the Fiala troll or yeah, uh, yeah, that's right. that was on there, right? Like Mountain if you troll, just, yep. exactly. If you just had the, the troll and you didn't have the humanoid silhouette, you could see that piece of art and, and say, Oh, it could be a troll, but what size it could be a goblin. It could be an orc. It could be a lot of things. Right. But as soon as you put the silhouette next there, it really communicates something about these creatures. And it, it obviously a troll, more of a humanoid thing. But as you as you move along and you get more and more odd with your beasts, um, this becomes super useful. Um, and I, I just there's there's all, there's a lot of little details like that that I see in your descriptions and in the abilities and the stat blocks of your creatures, but also just in the layout itself that really communicate. Uh, 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 an attention to detail, and that's why, even though this project was uh, is already funded, it's already done. You can pre-order it. Actually, um, I think you you head over to uh, you're going to yell at me if not, but uh, you can head over to um, Backerkit. Is that right? Yep, yep. yep. Backerkit. Yep. Uh, and you can find that on your Facebook page or on your Kickstarter page, I think, um, as well, and get a link there. But um, just just a really 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 solid uh presentation and i was really happy that we got to to haul you in here yeah you know uh one of the things that's been fun and i just sent you a couple more previews i don't know if you want to display them um one of the things that's been fun in doing the research is so 
here's the thing. Maybe you guys know this. I didn't know this. How big do you think a wolf is? It's like a kind of a, a husky, right? Yeah, sure. Absolutely yeah. not. These <laughs> things are huge. They're so big. Like, like if you put a wolf head next to a human head, like from the top of the skull to the bottom of the snout, it's like this freaking big. Like, <laughs> these wolves are huge. Now, there are smaller versions, but some of the larger wolves, I mean, this is like a Great Dane-sized thing. It's a big freaking canine. And you don't get an appreciation until you see the silhouette. Yes. Uh, if you actually look on the internet, um, there are a couple more profane headlines, but if you look at like giant wolf or giant wolf size or wolf size compared to human, there's like one of these wolf rescue things. And there's a relatively petite young woman uh, who works there playing with this wolf. And this thing is so big. Oh my God. Right? It's just like, okay. You know, you look at this thing, and you're like, okay, I'm looking at this and that is a friendly wolf. <laughs> that is a friendly wolf and i'm terrified on this side of the screen um you know another thing is is like uh, uh, uh one of the uh i i based my owl uh the owl um off of i want to say it's an eagle owl um and if you look at the wingspan of this owl compared to a human it's almost as big a wingspan as a human is tall mm -hmm. this is a big freaking bird you know, um, I had to pull up a silhouette of a Viking longship, which is 20, 25 meters long, to make a sperm whale make sense. A Fisiter. <laughs> right? It's as big as a freaking longship, right? Yeah. Uh, and then there's the Kraken. <laughs> uh, I didn't like because, that you know, <laughs> actually, we're trying to figure out, we're actually, to one of the interesting things about it is, you know, of course, you got to have the Kraken. Um, but in D&D, &D, while thing big giant monsters like dragons and crocons or whatever have lair actions and stuff uh, a lot of their challenge is just a big pile of hit points yeah um and that it's not very fun no nope. you know I, I wail on him more oh okay um but in, in in gurps big pile of hit points well it is a big pile of hit points for one thing it's strength 500 so it has 500 hit points and a typical sword a person swinging a sword will do 2d6 plus 2. Uh, with a polearm with all the right advantages, you're talking about like, you know, maybe 17 or 20 points of damage and it's cutting, so maybe it's 30. But you're going to have to whack on this guy, like, as a superhero, like, a lot uh, before you really make a dent. Um, and the tentacles are probably 10 feet across. So mm -hmm. they're not just hitting you, they're hitting you and all your friends. Mm -hmm. They're hitting mm -hmm. you and all your friends within 20 meters because the tentacle itself is 70 yards long. So when it slams it down, it hits the entire ship. <laughs> right? Yeah. You know, so, you, you know, it, it, it's one of these things where we're like, well, what's the point? I mean, other than saying the GM has had enough of your shit, <laughs> like, is this a plot device? Or is it a creature that you're supposed to fight? What level of hero or is this something that threatens a town and the player characters have to rally the town with siege engines and bard the guy with the crossbow, right? Um, is this something... Now, interestingly enough, the M1A1 will take this thing in one shot. All you need is a little modern firepower and the Kraken's got it toast. Uh, because if you look at the... Now, 
it's a little tricky because uh, now we're getting into the reason why my company is gaming ballistic. Um, but uh, uh, an M1A2, the M829A3 projectile uh, will punch through a ridiculous amount of steel. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it's it's absolutely crazy how how thick a barrier uh, it it'll punch through. Um, mm-hmm. Thirty-five times twenty-one times three. Uh, divided by 2.75. Uh, we're talking like six meters of, uh, <laughs> of steel. I may have done some math wrong there, but it's a lot. It's a lot. Um, uh, it, it's a whole lot of stuff. Uh, and did I get that right? Divide by, I think so. Um, and, and so with only, quote unquote, strength 500, um, It'll go in one end of the Kraken and out the other and do plenty of damage. The thing that you have to do there is say, well, that projectile is an inch in diameter compared to a Kraken that's 100 yards long. Mm -hmm. Uh, So what you're doing is you're hitting it with a high-velocity needle. (laughs) So it'll go in one end and out the other, but while you might have a little bit of Kraken and peritonitis going on, uh, you're not going to be blowing the thing up. Hey, could, what's up? Uh, Huggies. Hello. Oh, there you go. All right. Are you all diseased and stuff? Yeah. <laughs> you feeling better? <laughs> all right, kiddo. You have a good night. Love you. Um. So, so you know, a Kraken against modern weapons of sizable... Mm-hmm. It, uh, making an impression, story. different story, right? A little yeah. bit, a little bit of proximity fuse, a little bit of internal detonation, and the Kraken is having a bad day. Um, <laughs> but you know, these 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 creatures are portable. That's the point: is that if you want to take something against a star destroyer uh, or a regular destroyer, really, because it's it's you know it's relative to navy ships, a Kraken at a hundred yards long is not that big, mm-hmm. right? I mean, you really need to get like Aquaman sized Kraken, where this thing is like. This big as an aircraft carrier more before yeah. you, but that's getting ridiculous, right? If you got something that's three, four, or five hundred meters long, you're really out of a realm where the suspension of disbelief can be suspended enough. Where a couple of dudes like, oh, it's Perry Cuomo with a sword, <laughs> um, where you know where you can really start to to fight that. Um, the Perry Cuomo thing is is an old comedy skit from back when I was a kid in high school, where we went to this like Catch a Rising Star Club, and this or the comedian was talking about how I finally go to a show and I'm going to go see this guy sing, and and he holds up this little postcard and this little figure says, and it's because he was so far away from the stage that they say, oh, it's Perry Cuomo, um, <laughs> but uh, so tiny, right? But that's the thing is that it gets to the point where you're just like. You know, how do you make this interesting? How do you make it an interesting fight? And we're going to rewrite the guy from where he is now so that there's different kinds of attacks. Like mm. there's huge tentacles where you actually, uh, I'm trying to remember, I have to, I have to remember what we thought about this, but it's like you, you roll to hit on round one. And remember, Gerb's turns are one second long. Mm-hmm. So they're fast. So you roll to hit on round one and you say, it's going to hit there next turn so you have time to get out of the way but you better hope that it actually hits where you expect it to hit because if it scatters you could be sir pancake 
<laughs> if it scatters, yeah. so do you. Right. There you go. So anyway, but there's 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 some really good ideas to make it uh, less pointless. On the other hand, uh, I've got a totally not Balrog uh, in there, and we took that in a fight against some a, a full party of standard 250 point Dungeon Fantasy role playing game characters, which are a lot like uh, maybe sixth eighth level D and D. Mm-hmm. Um, they're capable, right? I mean, the answer to the question of can I do blah with an eighth level character is probably pretty yes. You got a couple attacks, you got some cool spells, you got some wherewithal to take a shot and still live. Um, anyway, so uh, we took, uh, uh, we did, we're trying to trying to fight test some of these bigger, badder monsters um, so that they uh, they make sense, right? I mean, you know, mm-hmm. um, there's a lot of moving parts, and you want these challenges sure. to be challenging. Anyway, so we took him against a party of six to five or six uh, two hundred fifty pointers, and it absolutely wiped the floor with him. Just ab, just just a total party kill, which is what's supposed to happen when you go up against one of the lords of hell, right? <laughs> so, enough. but then the same group pulled out some of their five six hundred point characters, and the the totally not Balrog. It's called a lo, it's called a Logoskugi. And Logoskugi in Icelandic, which is my my Google Icelandic, really, because it's not real Icelandic. Uh, but Logoskugi means shadow and flame. Skugi is shadow, Loga is fire, so shadow and flame. Shadow and flame, right? We got to channel the Saruman source material, right? Hmm. Um, so so, but the Logoskugi is uh, totally not a Balrog, really. Um, uh, sorry, totally not a Balor either. Nor is it a Type Six demon, um, sort of. Uh, anyway, but it 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 didn't make it to the second round against mm. the five or 600 characters. Because one of them was a mm. cleric whose mission in life was demon slaying. So it had this guy pretty locked down, and uh, whereas the first party couldn't even penetrate through the armor, the second party had penetrating weapons and could cast the right spells and blah, blah, blah. So like the scout was feathering it and whatever. So the only thing that, that uh, saved the concept now, and I'm not, I'm not upset that a demon-slaying cleric whose mission in life is to kill demons killed the demon. That's what it's for. That's what he's for, right? Um, but there are some powers that the Game Master neglected, mm-hmm. right? It has the ability to jump to teleport from shadow to flame to flame. It's mm-hmm. called fire. It's got firewalk. I think, actually, I think it's called firewalk with me um, because I try and throw in pop culture references <laughs> when I can. Nice. Um, but so this thing can can firewalk or it can cast corrosive shadow or it can do a bunch of other stuff and it can do it instantly. It's like the GURPS equivalent of a layer action. So it can do it as a block. So once it starts getting in trouble, it can basically teleport to anywhere where there's a flame. Now, this is an intelligent IQ 13, 14, which is high because it's a bell curve. It's is an intelligent demon and it's a general. It is not going into a freaking room without five or six minions holding torches. Right, mm-hmm, so it can mm-hmm. go where it needs to go. It may summon some fire elementals that can mm-hmm. either harass the party, or in a pinch, it will teleport into the fire elemental, killing the poor sap. But okay, I'm a demon lord. I will sacrifice this guy for for you know you know. Some of you may die, but that's a risk I'm willing to take. Um, <laughs> 
Right. So, so anyway, but we've been fight. I, I have a great group of, of Patreons and a group of backers. I took my like 50 of my top backers and said, Hey, do you want to look at this and fight these guys? I said, anyone who wants to, I mean, you guys are backers. You're getting this PDF in another tap, tap two weeks or so. If you want an early look and chance to influence the book, drop me an email. I don't want to bother you if, and I don't want to send out something too early, but if you're willing to watch the sausage being made, Mm-hmm. Please come play, and I'm getting some great feedback. Um, awesome. And yeah. and so you know, it's it's one of the monsters that I created to be a party shredder. Uh, it's called a Brett Deer, uh, which means change beast. Uh, it's a version of. Are you guys familiar with uh, Dresden Files? A little, uh, bit, yeah. a little bit, yeah. Okay, you remember uh, Full Moon, the Loop Garu? Uh-huh. Yep. Okay. Okay. Really, 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 really nasty. Same thing with some of the werewolves from the Larry Correa's Monster Hunters International books, right? Mm. Really badass. You're really, they're really tough. Um, so I wanted a werewolf, a lycanthrope, that was really a challenge as a uh, uh, being able to take a many on one situation because uh, in GURPS especially, there are other games where this is true as well, Fantasy Trip probably, uh, but in GURPS especially. Hmm. Many on one always, always, always sucks for the one. The action yep. economy is really rough uh, when you can be surrounded and you don't even get to defend against a guy in your back hex and you just get pummeled on six times and whatever, whatever. So you really have to be careful to, to create hmm. creatures that can stand up to a party of, of Sir Cuisinart and, and, you know, <laughs> you know, late lady death ball, right. Or whatever. Yeah. Um, the uh, you know, the enchantress of, of fire and destruction, um, you know, Lady Napalm or whatever. Um, so, but we, they took them out. Uh, some of my uh, backers took them out for a test drive, and it was every bit uh, as badass as it should have been. And so that made me feel good. That's uh, awesome. There's a there's a class that that we play a lot more with in my version of the game because of the fantastic dungeon grappling and the grappling books that I've done. I'm I'm big on the wrestler class, a, a melee mm. second of a martial okay. arts Tesla. And the wrestler can usually lock down any one bad guy, build up a bunch of control points, kind of grappling damage, and then transition that grappling damage into hit points. Basically mm. like suplexing a, a Shire horse or something. Uh, you know, oh I've got the lion grappled and now I'm gonna break his back, you know. Real Gilgamesh and Enkidu type stuff. Um so the wrestler, because that's what the wrestler always does, steps up against the the Brett Deer, Brett Deer, uh, and just gets shredded. Hmm. Like it, it's like I see you wrestling, I wrestle you back, and then I bite your face off. Uh, hmm. And so it was something where even the wrestler couldn't wade in and do its thing without a plan. Wow. So wow. it really that one really worked out well. But I've also got critters like deer, fallow deer, elk. Uh, lions, bears, lions. I don't have a tiger. I really should. Um, but uh, you know, but we've got stuff like animals because sometimes you have a normal party rather than a superhero party, and you don't have your mage or you don't have magic at all, and you have to go hunting, mm-hmm. yeah. right? Or yeah. or the or you know, no, uh, an animal is not going to attack you because animals are not looking for a fight; they're looking for a meal. Um, uh, you know, uh, um, but your horse is looking pretty tasty. There you go. Right, it's just standing there tied <laughs> to a tree, 
That seems Might like well. an easy target. That's a meal. I can deal with that. Um, so, well, so you know, yeah. Well, here, Doug, I, I, I am like you have fascinating book, and I am enjoying all the monsters. I, I, I have. I could talk about it for another thirty minutes, or, or hear some more. Um, I've got another guy that I'm lining up. I've got. We got to yeah. move on. But thank you so much for yeah, hanging we, out we with need us. To have you, we need to have you back on, man. Hey, you know, I'm I'm always here, right? It's what I do uh, for a living these days. So, uh, you know, uh, to sum up, uh, I think the book is roughly a week from being released to backers mm-hmm. as a preliminary Sorry. PDF. Uh, my goal is to get it to the printer on February 15th. Awesome. Uh, right they will review it for a week, and hopefully it will go to press uh, in Eastern Europe on the 23rd of February. Um, and then it'll, it's not a big print run. It's about 600 books. Uh, so it shouldn't take that long. And then, you know, it should be really pretty. Awesome. It should be really pretty. Uh, so well, then, it, it looks pretty enough just on the, on the, oh, yeah. uh, on yeah, the looks site. So I'm excited to see it. <clears throat> awesome. Well, uh, thank you again, Doug. Once more, um, I would encourage everybody to go over and, uh, check out Ballistic Gaming, uh, follow Doug, Douglas Cole on Kickstarter. Uh, we'll have all the links in the podcast feed for you. Um, just really, oh man, this book is so gorgeous. But uh, we'll get Doug on again. We'll talk some more about it maybe when it's released. Um, uh, and until then, thank you so much, Doug. Thanks, guys. And we'll see you next time. Yeah, Thanks thank you, everybody. for having me. Yeah, yeah, play some you. GURPS. Yeah, play some GURPS, but be safe yeah. while you do it. Right, right. Take it easy, everybody. Thanks for listening. If you like this episode and want to hear more, go ahead and hit the subscribe button here on the podcast feed. And while you're at it, give us a review and some stars if you could. If you want to watch one of our shows live, we record uh, just about every Sunday and Tuesday pretty consistently on YouTube and Twitch. You can find links to both of those if you head on over to the Discord or just shoot us a message on Facebook if you want. Also, give us a like on Facebook while you're there as uh, we tend to post uh, upcoming shows and notices and things like that on our Facebook feed. All right. We'll see you next time.